Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Mage Apprentices? This is Stephen, your host with Hintology Podcast, along with my lifelong friend, Josh. And we're talking Alex Varys once again. We did a review of the first book a little bit ago, and we have continued with the series. And this is going to be a double feature. So books two and three, Cursed and Taken by Benedict Jaca. If you're not familiar with the series, we can do a, a quick primer, but we'll probably get into spoilers pretty quickly. But before we get started, quick word from our sponsor. But uh, I mean, the tagline on this is essentially Harry Dresden in London. That's high level. Uh, that's That was really kind of the inspiration for the series. And then from there, it goes in a slightly different direction. But we're still early on in the series. This is a 12 book series that's actually entirely complete, which is kind of rare uh, these days to, to be given a complete series to read through. So that's exciting. But uh, Josh, what do you think of books two and three? How did uh, this progress the series? What's your impression thus far? Even, you know, I know we're still early on in the series, but I feel like we can start getting an idea of how much we're liking. Very similar to my thoughts from the first book. I don't think my um, impressions have changed, which is mostly positive and struggling to really differentiate in my mind uh, from Dresden. Uh, we had some good input from that episode that there are differences. Like this is a lot more grounded in a lot of ways. Like there's not as many magical creatures. You're not running into fairy. I, I mean, we're not going to do spoilers for Dresden, but Dresden, there are a lot more like magical yeah, know, creatures. Yeah, vampires, each, like, werewolves, like all of the traditional. Yeah. Yeah. This like, you'll have references to vampires that like maybe, you know, were around once upon a time, but aren't really influencing things very much anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a part of the story, but not really. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, this is a big aside, but um, I think that the pacing continues to be good. It's always engaging. The writing is honed. Like there's no, there's nothing about the writing that makes me roll my eyes really um, in terms of like the prose and the characters are, are good. I think Alex is great. I think that other characters could be better and um, I'm continuing to enjoy it and I'm pretty much locked into finishing the whole series. So that's my high level thoughts. So on his website, on uh, Benedict's website, the author, he writes, uh, you can just like look through his blog and he has some notes on these books. I think it's kind of like a retrospective, him looking back on the series after he's finished it. And on his notes for the third book, he wrote that the first three books he actually all wrote before the first book was published and he wrote them as kind of episodic things. So his initial idea was that you could pick up any Alex Varys book and you just kind of jump right into the story and it wouldn't necessarily have like a huge build. It's just kind of like a, another episode of a TV show. And that holds for the first three books, but he said that in book four, 
he started, he, he kind of started to abandon that and it, it became more of a bigger um, thing that, that built on each other. And actually I was talking to Caden, my brother-in-law, who's been on the Wheel of Time episodes for us. And he, on my recommendation, since he's a big Dresden Files fan, he started this series as well. He's already done with book five, <laughs> which Ooh. tells you, yeah, tells you a little bit about Caden's uh, reading prowess. And he said uh, book four was a big highlight for him. And he, it really kind of redefined the way he thought about the series. So I'm looking forward to getting to that. I did. I, I enjoyed books two and three. I thought they, I thought they got better. I thought uh, mm-hmm. book two did a lot to kind of establish uh, Alex and, and Luna's relationship, right? Like, what are they? And that was kind of explored throughout and, and it caused most of the problems in the book. And then uh, book three kind of set up what seems to be a, a core cast of characters going forward into the rest of the series. So I, I take this, I mean, I would say the first three books all kind of seem to be like a, a prequel to the larger series is, is what I'm expecting. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't really get the, get the idea that you could just, you know, it seems weird that you could pick them up at any time because like there are definitely things that you need to know from book one going into book two, especially, you know, but he does kind of summarize like mm, in yeah. book three, he basically summarizes most of book two in a conversation. That's true. He's exp- he's explaining to Anne, I think like who he is and what's been going on with him recently. And he, and, and honestly, Dresden Files does a pretty similar thing. Like every book, at least the initial books really kind of did this ad nauseum where they would all start and like recap, like, okay, here we are. I'm a wizard in Chicago and here's all my previous yeah. adventures. Like, dude, we get it. Like we've read all the other books. <laughs> it's like if somebody wanders into Barnes and Noble and just happens to pick number seven of it, like that's the only one in stock and that's the one they get. And yeah. Then, anyway, I don't have like a ton of overall thoughts about about where I think the series is heading is kind of my only kind of gripe about it. Not my only gripe, but like a gripe. And it sounds like that will be resolved in book four because, or not resolved, but like I, maybe then I'll have some idea. Maybe because, set up more. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, and, and this is also a critique for early Dresden books, but like, I feel like sometimes it's just like, okay, what uh mystery of the week are we going to solve today? Mm-hmm. Which isn't always bad. Actually, you know, I kind of wish that more series would do that of like maybe not having to whisk everybody away into like this overarching narrative. I think that there's room for series that don't do that. But now that I kind of know that that's where it's heading now, I'm kind of like, well, now I just want to get to that. If that makes sense. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like a tough line to fall line to walk, you know, maybe a question for our listeners. If you know of any good, maybe self-published series that do that, where it is kind of a more episodic thing that you can sit down and read a story in like an hour or two, a couple of hours, maybe a couple sittings, even it's like maybe a novella length type thing. I'd be interested in that and just um, some light reading, I guess. And I'm sure it's out there, but I just don't really know where to look or how to find something good. I wonder if the, and I'm going to kind of expose my lack of knowledge here, but I wonder if the Murder Bob books or anything like that, because I know that's a series of novella length books and I have, I have no idea how much of a connected series it is or if there's like a big overarching thing. I need to read those, obviously. Um, I have I mean, it's been one now of the books right for... behind me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a total poser. Uh, so uh, yeah, I need to get that one. I, I don't know, Josh, I, I can't think of any great I'm examples sure there's, offhand. There has to be like a web series, right. That like, you know, maybe oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like there's a, a, there's a lot like a of Kindle web series. series. Yeah. 
But yeah. like I and not that web series are always going to be lower quality, but like I don't know. I feel like we can put our feelers out there and get somebody with a good recommendation, um, mm. so that so that I'm not going to slog through. I guess I'm I'm kind of feeling a little bit of emotions because I'm finishing up. I'm uh, going to be current with Cradle, and that's uh, you know another twelve book long series that I'm mm-hmm. finishing up, which um, carries with it some pretty heavy endings and like it's just going to be kind of hard to finish that so i'm looking i'm just looking for something else that's kind of light reading that i can i can get out of uh my book slump with that i know is coming after i finish cradle and i think i think these uh these alex Ferris books will help with that so uh going back to a conversation that ben and i had from our last episode uh the the free will wizards handbook to surviving medieval england whatever the name of that book is uh we talked a lot about animorphs and uh, Animorphs, Ooh. Josh, is a recommendation for you for a very serial series. It does, at towards the end, in the last few, it does generate a bigger plot. But you I can do remember probably this. read like you can probably read like the first thirty or forty in any order you want. So I, uh, I actually had this episode queued up on my podcast feed last night, but then I fell asleep before I got to it. Mm-hmm. What did you guys get to Animorphs from? <laughs> do I just have to go listen to the episode? I just got to listen to the episode. I think for some reason we got talking about TV shows and Ben said that there was an, a new Animorphs TV show, which he's totally wrong about. I'm not really sure how he got to that, um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I was like, oh, Animorphs, dude, I'll, I'll, I want to talk about Animorphs because for whatever reason, I just can't put Animorphs behind me, even though I read the books like 20 years ago. Probably like 25 years ago, if we're being honest. I, I think I read them around like seven, eight which I guess isn't 25 years getting close. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Anyway, yeah, I don't know of any yeah. like modern. Okay, yeah, it's it does seem like a very like kind of 90s, 2000 TV-ish type style. And nowadays we're all about connected universes and big plots and big series I, that have- I like, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, we can we can get, there. there needs to be variety. Yeah, you don't want to save the world every time. Yeah, okay, so- uh, yeah, back back to Alex Ferris. Sorry, we're just tangent yeah. and tangent. Yeah. So uh, starting with Curse, book two. So let's just kind of talk through some of the events and uh, that book specifically, how much we liked it. So this one, like I said, is really all about the Alex Luna relationship. And in uh, in Benedict Jaca's notes, he talked about how going into the book, he realized he wasn't sure what these two characters were to each other, and Alex didn't either. And so the whole structure of the book is built around like, is Luna someone he's romantically interested in? Is she just an apprentice? And he realizes that he's not training her properly because he doesn't know where he's at. So I, I like the journey of self-discovery and maturity that Alex was on throughout the book. And uh, I, you can also kind of see Luna growing up. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Luna grows more in the third book and kind of starts to in this book. But and and I think like the relationship that she unfortunate relationship that she has with Martin that is really just a, a sham. I think that kind of shakes her a bit because she's in her whole life she's never been able to get close to anyone, and now she's kind of starting to get close to someone, and like she almost had this romantic thing, and now it's been taken away from her, and now she's kind of coming out of her shell in some ways. So I thought there was some good character building. I agree. I think that Luna was a big. Uh, big plus in this book. It it shows that they're able to develop more characters than just Alex. But again, I, do, I like I don't think that it got to the point where 
now I'm like, Luna is one of my favorite characters. You know what I mean? Of the series, sure. But like, I'm not like, uh, I don't know. I'm not to the point of where I, I would like want to step in and take a bullet for the character. You know what I mean? Okay. Where I feel like that's kind of what I want to get to with some of these characters. And I feel like Alex is getting there, but like, I don't know. I just need, I just feel like that's something that I'm going to need from the series at some point is a really step up in, in mm-hmm. uh, some of these side characters and Luna. I think we need more. Yeah. We need more attachments to them, more like emotional moments that, that really flesh out who the characters. I agree. Yeah. Cause the pacing, I do really like how it's fast paced and how it goes from like action set to action set. And it's not all action. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is some like politicking and some, research and some figuring stuff out but there's not super it doesn't seem like there's a lot of high highlight moments of like emotion like emotionality that's not a word but like of characters connecting and really mm-hmm. trying to figure each other out and figure themselves out mm-hmm. yeah obviously a, t- a tricky thing to do and you know we're only three books in and the books are all fairly short so mm-hmm. I, th- I think at this point the fact that they're established as much as they are and there has been some growth is a very positive sign yeah. And again, I had a lot of these similar critiques for Cradle and kind of up through book five, six. And, and since then, like the, the in my opinion, the Cradle characters have just like huge steps up um, mm. and to the point where like I die for any of them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that like, you know, sometimes the slow burn makes it worth it and makes it makes it uh tolerable not tolerable because it's like beyond it's like better than tolerable but you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. makes it worth worth waiting for should say. yeah yeah and i mean like through the first three dresden books how many of the the main characters that you would take a bullet for nowadays yeah not really many. established yeah yeah i think what we need are more risks in uh in alex Ferris going forward more opportunities to really kind of like change change the status quo put move characters around in situations that are unexpected right now it's just kind of been like episode one episode two episode three different mystery we're gonna go through and solve it and at the end of the day like we've moved our characters around a little bit like okay now luna is an apprentice and she's taking classes and she's advanced a bit but you know no one's really like in any in, in any like definable different uh situation life situation that they mm-hmm. than they were before and that type of thing like Dresden does that really well it in as you advance through the series really kind of shakes things up and moves people around and that type of thing I think can really attach you to character yeah because you have some longing for who they were but excitement for who they're going to become mm-hmm. I think yeah 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 and you can really see them change and and either you know they have moments of triumph and moments of of despair and right and and that really like gets you attached to them as a reader it makes them seem very human Mm -hmm. and right now it seems like these arcs are happening they're happening within the plot of like the individual book you know what i mean it's like oh i'm now despairing because i don't know where they're holding luna and i don't know if i'm going to be able to find her in time and so but like you as a reader know that they're probably going to figure that out it's not like really despair that you know that they're not going to be able to move fast by move past by solving the plot of the book if that makes sense. right right um so going um, through uh cursed a little bit more so yeah the, the whole thing revolves around uh, alex and luna but then it also the the main plot the mystery they're trying to solve is there's some mysterious thing going on where the life force of magical creatures is being harvested and the main victim that we're worried about here is arachne 
And I thought this was fairly distressing because Rackney is, is a cool character and someone that you can easily, you know, get attached to. And now all of a sudden she's been neutralized in a, you know, a pretty uh, significant way. And that really raised the stakes for me and got me attached to the plot. I agree. I think that putting Arachne on the line was very effective because like, I don't think that there's any chance that he's going to kill Alex. I don't think there's any chance, like at least in these first few, I don't think that there's mm. any chance he's going to kill Luna. You know what I mean? Like, and those are the really the only two, you know, like maybe, uh, what's their, their prince name? Uh, he is like Sonder. Sonder. I always call him like Flanders. Like I was thinking about him as like Flanders, like Ned Flanders. <laughs> he kind of acts like Ned Flanders a little bit, but, um, uh, like I could see him maybe killing off Saunders in a few, but like I, but with uh, Arachne being the one at risk, like I, I believe that Arachne might actually die. You know what I mean? Like I believe right. that that was a possibility. So I thought that that was a really, really smart move and way, way to go. I thought the, uh, the, the dragon thing was cool, fairly nebulous. Like all of a sudden he stumbles upon the dragon layer and gets the magical dragon item that's gonna you know save the day in the in the big fight at the end i haven't been like blown away by any of the big action set pieces or any of the plot twists they've been satisfying enough in in probably the way that i guess i would you know what i would expect from urban fantasy so i i think that was all that that was all cool like you know the rest of the plot was fine i thought i mean i guess the things that stood out to me were the character moments and you know Martin's betrayal he Martin especially is I think the big villain I mean the the other light villain uh light wizard villain Belfast you know he didn't seem nearly as uh sinister as as Martin because Martin messed with uh Luna emotionally yeah I think that I think that that was a it was so hateable like he was so punchable you know what I mean like mm-hmm. he's not listening he's taking like you know somebody that Alex might have like a romantic relationship with like i just as alex i felt like i just wanted to punch him you know yeah yeah so effective character in that way (laughs) yeah very effective yeah very hateable yeah we also had a meredith the uh i don't remember what type of magic she did exactly but yeah she she essentially seduces alex um and uh like that kind of like flies under the radar a little bit but I mean, she essentially raped him, like, right? Raped him, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, uh, I think especially like nowadays, how we would define rape, like the, there wasn't there mm-hmm. wasn't informed consent, I guess you would say, you know? Yeah, like swap the gender roles around, and it's like you know, it's it's out. There would be much more outcry, like you know, oh my gosh, this male wizard seductor seduced this woman against her will, yeah. right? Yeah, but the other way around, it's like. I yeah. I don't know. I think I think people are, you know, coming more around to that too. But maybe it's just because we we just saw this happen happen in another book series that we were reading. So it's tough. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That did happen. Sorry, don't very general, so we don't spoil anything. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else to say about Cursed? Um. Yeah, I think that it was just a really cool story. Like, I think I don't want to underestimate like the power of cool. I think like a monkey paw. It's just like a very classic magical, you know, uh, item that mm-hmm. gets people in trouble. And I think that it played with those tropes in a really effective way. Was it tropey? Yeah, but it it leaned into it. It accepted it as part of the story. And then it attached it to characters that you were concerned about and that you wanted to like 
both you like loved one of them and hated one of them you know so i think that at one point at one part you wanted luna to mm-hmm. be safe from the monkey paw right but on the other hand you wanted uh watch his face to get what was coming to him so yeah so i i, I thought it was a very well done in terms of the overarching story of of cursed i'll say and, and so the the, uh, the the trio of dark mages cinder and delio and uh oh what's the other one wait is there another one? Oh no the other one is this, Belf- like belthus well belthus is the light mage who was kind of oh, running the show yeah. yeah i guess the other dark mage is uh more morden but he's kind of like the leader anyway um delio and cinder they've popped up now a couple of times and i feel like these characters need more development it seems like they're yeah. not just like in the first book we weren't really sure i mean we we knew that there was some backstory connection with alex and it's been explained, but I still don't feel a ton of attachment to these ones. So I, I feel like Delio, especially, you know, where she was also an apprentice with Alex at the same time, like that relationship needs to be a little more important than it is. Like, I, I, I feel like when this character shows up, it should mean more to me. Yeah, big agree. And it, it almost feels like he doesn't really want to um, make them for sure villains or for sure allies like he wants them to like exist mm-hmm. in this gray space like in this gray area but at the same time he only puts them in positions to be in like a gray area you know what i mean like so i think it's i think it's kind of tough like i think that you i think that yeah these characters do need to be a little bit more compelling for me to really like care about them and care about alex's um yeah relationship to them but i i mean i do like what you brought up there where the villains and heroes that you know the light and the dark mages none of them are they're all kind of gray there, there's no ultimate evil ultimate good type thing going on and 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 alex himself is he's, he's not opposed to doing what needs to be done in order to yeah. save the day right so i yeah i i enjoy these kind of gray stories they seem very human yeah, my my last thought about the Kirsten about the monkey paw specifically is that I think it did some cool building as Alex as a character because like now you know that he has this like kind of crazy cool powerful uh item just like locked up there in his shop and it kind of makes you wonder what else he has locked up there in the shop and what mm. other experiences. It's one of those like cool uh world building, character building type things that like isn't super it's like one of those things that like gives you a like makes it seem like there's a lot there without like you having to go put all the work into making a lot there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. just because it lets the reader imagine oh like does what else does he have in that shop of um in that shop of his so that was just a thought yeah and now looking back on each of these first three books it's pretty apparent now that you know he he wrote all of them before he had you know, too, too much of like a, an overarching plan for the rest of the series because he ends each of them by setting up, you know, magical artifacts or or the villains survive after doing whatever, right? So he has all of these loose threads that he can pick up later now. So mm-hmm. he's got, yeah, he's he has plenty of material now to work with in the future books. Okay, so overall, like Cursed, um, I'll give it a seven. That's exactly seven what I was going to say. I think I give the first, I give the first book is seven out of ten too maybe i don't know go, go sounds about I right have to go back and look yeah. but yeah about about the same as the first book i enjoyed it i mean yeah i think it i think it's improving in ways that i would like i expect it to improve but um yeah i'm seven out of ten okay on to taken book three and taken i liked more um i'm gonna since we're talking ratings i'll say i'm gonna bump this one up to 7.5 hmm. 
I'm keeping it at seven. Okay. Fair I, I think, yeah, but yeah, we, we can get into it. I think the reason that I liked it more was because it wasn't nonstop action the whole time. And there, there was kind of this, like, you know, the, the mystery development of the story really kind of worked for me where there were a few different threads and I don't think it was perfectly set up and there was maybe some little hand wavy explanation of some things, but overall I thought, I thought it was pretty good. And I, I really enjoyed the ending because <laughs> I just thought it was very stranger things esque, and uh, I, I love stranger things. And I thought the, the ending was cool and maybe, and having seen the visuals of stranger things, I had the same visuals going on here. So I enjoyed that. It was kind of funny. I'm kind of the opposite in some ways. I think that the, the climaxes in book one and two were more, com- uh, were more compelling to me. Like these, uh, these like the shoot offs and like, and they like, were bigger, kind of, like set pieces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they're invading this like castle type thing or, or manor type thing. And um, they're in this labyrinth in book one, you know? So I think that maybe it's just more traditional um, in terms of like the action and not, and, and how he handled all that. Whereas this one, it was a little bit more like, okay, Alex is just kind of sneaking around trying to, put put things together as his life is being threatened by various things, which was good, but it wasn't as um, gripping to me. That makes, but it sounds like, it sounds like it really worked for you. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if I've always been this way or if I'm just getting fatigued from big action things, but lately I just don't care about action at all. I'm just all about the characters and the plot and the intrigue and the, the twists and turns and, action set pieces i I just i just don't care like i've seen every type of action thing that's possible at this point and i'm I'm talking like movies and books and so really the things that i care about are the are what makes it interesting like leading up to the big action i want okay i know that this isn't a cradle episode but i want you to read cradle now because i think you'd have some very interesting opinions on it but anyway yeah no it's it's on my list for sure like i i know it the series is ending soon and and i want to catch up with it Anyway, yeah, I I think that that's a good point. I've always been a sucker for like if I can understand the stakes of the action, then I'm like totally invested. If I, you know, if it's just kind of like a, I I don't know, like yeah, I just get sucked into action set pieces, whether it's the car chase in this book or the, you know, like I just I'm in it and like I want to see. It's just fun for me to read about, and yeah, that, maybe that can only go so far. If this, like if the stakes are there, if you feel like if you feel like the fate of whatever it is really hangs in the balance and characters mm-hmm. could be off or but that's type- again more yeah. about the character concerning the characters but like i just think that there's just a certain measure of awesomeness and like picturing a car chase ripping down london with constructs like appearing behind and ahead of and on top of car and then inside of a car like it's just sweet you know like it's just awesome yeah i, I did think that was it that was a cool set piece a but at the same time like I've already seen five Transformers movies and passed on three more and they're still coming out. Like I, I've seen every car chase I could possibly want to see at this point. Yeah. But have you seen a car chase with a construct appearing behind the car is slowly getting closer until it finally appears in the car? Yeah. And, I mean, no, not that's necessarily. Pretty cool. I, 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 yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I do. And and I think that there's like a lot of validity to it. And we just read a uh, night angel nemesis, which I do think would like went over the top and had too many set pieces and action set pieces. And um, you know, 
like stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm not saying that there's like no limit, but I don't think that these books have gotten close to going over that limit for me of, of cool action set pieces. Yeah. And this, right. And this series is probably not the series to bring up this complaint of mine. I think it's just been like developing recently. And, uh, and so, so I liked the third book more because I felt like there wasn't as much big, it didn't rely on that as much. It relied more on the mystery and intrigue and that worked for me. Yeah. That's a good point. Going into the actual events of the book. So it uh, starts with the crystal, the, the hot mind mage. Once again, um, a lot of the women in the series are, are very attractive, uh, <laughs> Dresden, but uh, she's, she's trying to hire Alex. She seems shady right away. So we immediately think that she's kind of nefarious. And then we get into Anne's apprenticeship. We meet up with Anne and Barium, who are two important characters for us going forward. Uh, Anne tries to get, or she doesn't try to get, uh, people try to assassinate her right away in this mysterious, uh, you know, like, why are they trying to kill this random apprentice, right? And, but there's also this mystery of, hey, you know, apprentices are disappearing at the same time. So, and that, that was, I, I like that action. Like I was able to kind of follow, you know, okay, they're going through the, the apartments and they're sneaking around and jumping from balcony to balcony and eventually they, they escape out. So yeah, I, I don't want to complain too much about too much action because I do think like the small contained bits of action really kind of work for these stories that are, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. smaller scale stories and smaller scale action works. The The biggest thing of this book that did not work for me was Crystal. Like, I just th- thought that Crystal's character was like super underdeveloped. It was like, okay, she's, she was introduced in an interesting way. And then just like, mm-hmm. I felt like nothing really happened up until it's like, oh, now she's like super important again. You know what I mean? That's yeah, not that's entirely fair. It's well, no, like, she yeah. was. Yeah, she was introduced in an interesting way, interesting way. And then they suspected her for a few pages. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you've conspired with, you know, the evil thing that's lurking in the basement and it's going to kill everyone. Yeah. 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 It just felt like a traditional, like, oh, it's the character you'd never expect. That's the bad guy the character that brought it to brought things to your attention. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest letdown because it was like potentially like an interesting character that just turned into like more or less just a trope. And she's still on the run. She's a thread that maybe picked up. Yeah. So if she is, then fine. But like, there's nothing Mm -hmm. that would make me like, oh, what happens? I want to see what happens next with Crystal. I do think that it would like her power set is an interesting power set to pit against. I was just interested to pit, pit, pit against Alex you know, because like he's can tell the future, yeah. but she can read his mind. So he can mm-hmm. like, she can kind of, I just th- thought about this, like in a te- in a sense, if she's reading his mind while he's seeing the future, then is she also seeing the future? And is that like going to make a future loop where it kind of like negates his ability to tell the future? Like, I don't think that that happened in this book, but that would be pretty interesting. Like, yeah. I just feel like that's, mm-hmm. it's two kind of more nebulous, like power sets that would do mm-hmm. make her like an interesting foil villain to Alex. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it gets there or if she just kind of goes away, but yeah. So to kind of just follow up on that, uh, talking about the magic, I think at this point we have a pretty good idea that the way magic is going to be in this series is there are specific types of mages and we've seen life mages and mind mages. And, uh, you know, obviously Alex is a, oh wait, what is his, he can see the future. There's a name for it. Um, divine, he's a diviner. Saunders, a time mage. There's, you know, like the elemental mages as well so but but still like it's not 
it's not super hard magic. A lot of it is kind of hand wavy. It's fairly soft, which is, you know, which is fine. Doesn't need to be. Can I tell you my biggest pet peeve about the magic? And it's like one line that's repeated way too often. So let me preface this by saying, I think that the magic is done pretty, like beyond pretty well. Like I think it's done really well. I think that it's an interesting concept and I think that it's played with in really interesting ways. Good do you want to, do you want to make this, but do you want, do you want to hold off and should we do a worst of the best? And this can be your entry. Sure. It's not like a specific it's, it sounds scene, like that's yes. what you're gearing up for. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We can do worst of the best with this like specific phrase that I, that I'll talk about because it happens in a lot of scenes. We'll okay. see if you can guess yeah. it while, as we keep talking, but uh, yeah, I can't guess it, but uh, you probably, okay. You, you'll know okay. when I say it, you'll be like, Oh yeah, that, that phrase. All right. So uh, tease for that, which will happen in like five minutes, probably. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, so what stick else around from, to find out. Yeah. Stick around for the exciting reveal of Josh's worst of the best. I thought another character that is clearly just being set up for the future is the Jagadev, the tiger, you know, like the, kind of the, the Indian God, almost it, it wasn't a God. He's more like a, yeah, I don't, I don't know the, the right term, but he didn't really he didn't really do anything like he didn't really add a ton to this book other than be a backstory piece for Anne and Barium. And he seems, you know, like he could be a threat in the future. So honestly, I think a lot of my criticism is around the books, books one through three, are that there are these kind of unfulfilled things that are just kind of thrown in there. And so, but, but I feel like I can't be too critical yet because these could really pay off in the future. I don't know. That's true. And that that's what's hard to know about these books is like, are these characters going to be important or are they just like here for the story? And and again, you get this like similar things with Dresden where it's like characters that you thought were just going to be a one-off thing and books mm-hmm. one and two were like actually really important for the rest of the series. And some of them weren't, some of them just kind of go away or get killed off. Yeah. But, yeah we'll I mean, obviously you would want to, you know, to, if we were able to increase our rating higher to an eight or a nine, like I think to get there, those characters would need to have a more fulfilling role in this book. Uh, yeah, and then agreed. also going forward, they could develop. Yeah. Uh, what What else? The, um, I did think a, a cool thing that they did with the uh, the tournament, you know, like you, you had some sure. like, anticipation built around like, oh, you know, how is Alex going to wiggle out, out of it? How's Luna going to do? How's, you know, like what's, what's going to happen with all this? Mm-hmm. And it, it introduced some like good, kind of uh what would you say like draco level kind of frenemies going on that that was i mean cool. there was there was literally a line where when luna was fighting natasha or wh- yeah, whatever yeah. yeah 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 and luna says something and she says you wish back that was oh i didn't up, get, I, <laughs> do you think what, what, was that Potter paying homage to it? It, it i mean it seems like been. it was right <laughs> i didn't even catch that that's awesome yeah I, I enjoyed Luna's uh, character growth in this one. Like she she now has much more control over her curse and she seems like she's developing into a, you know, a much more competent. Um, she's still, she's an adept. And it seems the way that they've set up things is, you know, an adept is an adept and there's no real growing into a mage, but she's kind of something that people haven't really seen before. Like the mages can't even... With- really see her curse they don't know how she's doing what she's doing it's she's very unique and i i think this is i think this is brilliant and it's got potential for an awesome character and and many cool twists that could happen yeah big big agree and i do hope that she's given more characters to work off of other than just alex 
Like, I do mm-hmm. hope that, you know, some of these other uh, adepts that she's training with or apprentices that, that she can have these yeah. conflicts slash friendships with, with these other people. I think it is a little hard sometimes to, like, there's definitely a little hand-waving that goes on with her curse. Just the fact that no one can touch her or get too close to her, like, clearly that's not something that you can really 100% avoid. Like, there are times where she's, like, they're trying to make their way through a crowd is like you know come on someone's gonna run into her it's it's just like it's really hard to say no one's ever gonna touch her ever or something terrible is gonna happen so there, yeah. there's some hand wavingness there but yeah you know it's fine in, in my mind i think it has to be like like in, in my mind the way that it's described the curse is like in a crowd of people it seems like the curse would just be kind of like being pulled like so many different directions that I can't get like a strong hold on like one person. Yeah. It's like, it does talk about the tendrils. Like if it just touches them, then it's like, mm. it'll be okay. But if it like latches onto them, then like they're kind of toast. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, how I picture yeah, that's fair. And when Anne healed her, the curse really latched onto her, but then it just like disappeared. Yeah. And... I, I'm hoping that there's some pit. Oh, go. Ahead. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was never a real clear explanation for why no. that was. I, like all I can guess now is she's a life mage, and so somehow she like ate the curse or use it. Yeah, to I don't. Her. Yeah, but hopefully there's. Yeah, I, I would hope there's a little more explanation there. Like there's something else going on with it. All right. I really enjoyed the uh, Fountain Reach setting because I was just in London last month, and so I was totally visualizing a big kind of you know old school manor there, and uh, it fit the setting really well. And then once they went into that shadow realm, you know, once they went into the upside down, and uh, that 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 was cool. I I enjoyed all of that part. And I yeah, I mean, I think you have a point where it happened pretty quickly, and uh, that there was really no like big satisfying action set piece conclusion. But at the same time, you know, all of the threads of the mystery were tied up well enough. There was maybe a little, I think there was a little hand waving and Crystal's involvement. Like at the end, we just kind of wrapped it up and said, oh yeah. Also, Crystal just read Anne's mind and knew where all the apprentices were and gathered everyone and. Yep, yeah she did it okay yep i i did think like there's some cool like kind of body horror stuff with the you know yeah you know, like rising out of the bathtub rising and this, out like, of the bathtub that was pretty creepy yeah yeah dripping blood this misshapen creature after after being killed he comes back and he's warping around and yeah yeah pretty good enemy yeah but like still like a mid-tier enemy you know what i mean i i felt like in some mm-hmm. ways the mages that they battled that, that like um, Alex battled in the first two books. I felt like they were more dangerous to him. Yeah. Yeah. There haven't been any like huge big bads, but, and we'll see where the series goes. But the sense I'm getting is, is the future conflict is really going to be centered um, around this, you know, light and dark mage conflict. And it's going to be that there may be some big players, but it's going to be almost like a kind of like a political game to a sense. Or, I mean, in, well, let's, we obviously don't want to do spoilers for Dresden, but, you know, maybe there's kind of a, yeah, th- there yeah. could be things going on behind the scenes. All right. Do you want to hear my worst of the best? All right. So time for worst of the best, yeah. where we we talked about one thing in an otherwise really good part of the book that kind of spoiled it. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. 
and the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. Okay, so this is kind of more general. Usually we do a specific scene, but best part, one of the best parts of the series is his magic. One of the worst parts of his magic is the phrase, and then my precognition flared. Because I feel like, do, do does this like ring any bells? Uh, actually, no, but is that? No. He's, he says it a lot. Yeah, or it's like variations of that, but then like, oh, then my precog- oh. precognition like warned me where it's like, he'll just be. So a lot of the time he like, we'll talk about how he has to sit down and like think, like look at the different futures and see what's going to happen or da, 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 da. But yeah. then sometimes yeah. when he's just like in the middle of something, like I think it happened. One thing that I can think of off the top of my head was with, uh, with Anne when he went to go um, try and help her it, it like his precognition flared and saw that like, a bunch of his life force was going to be drained and then he backed away or like, and uh, so I I just feel like sometimes it just like is almost a form of a deus ex machina where it's kind of an out um, if if he needs it. Yeah. Where it's like, he'll just be doing something, not being able to send it. And then like something has this like weird precognition that's somehow tied to his divining ability, but that Uh he would seem, it would seem like he wouldn't have to do a lot of his other divining ability things that he does that kind of if he had that yeah if he actually has like this reliable precognition Mm. is it just the case that if something really serious is coming at like that's kind of what it implies yeah yeah that's kind of what it implies is it's always like something like something's gonna hit him or come after him or something bad's gonna happen and then his precognition Mm -hmm. will come and give him anyway maybe that's just one of those things that like that I started noticing that bugged me and then it kept happening Mm -hmm. and it kept bugging me it's nothing like it's just the worst of the best for me Going off that, a, a phrase or just a, a, a way that the writing kind of bugs me a little bit. And again, I, I do think the writing was was pretty solid. A lot of the characters just say um or uh a lot before they start talking. Like they'll be like, uh, hi, or uh, Alex. And I don't, it just seems like most books don't, they, they cut that out. And it just makes all the characters seem very insecure. Like Sonder especially is always doing that. And Honestly, and I think Luna does too. And Alex himself often says, um, or, uh, it just makes them all seem like they have no idea what they're doing, which, you yeah. know, the, I think it characterizes them a little bit, but it's, I think it's a little over, it's a little over. Hmm. Okay. I, I think that's a good point. Now that that's one of those definite things that when you, uh, I'm catching myself that I didn't notice it, but now that you said it, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. we are not allowed to say, um, or, uh, at, at all. I'm so bad at it. Yeah. Good thing I edit it all. Not all of it, but I edit the worst ones out. <laughs> I'm so bad. It's it's something, it's a life thing that I, I tried working on for years and then I never got better at it. So I just accept it as part of myself. Steven's editing magic takes care of it. People people hate silences. You gotta you gotta fill those silences with whatever you have. Sometimes all we've got is um and ah. Uh. Yeah. Well, I think again, I'm super excited to keep going through these books. I might knock a few out because again, I'm finishing cradle. But now I really want to just get through this series because it's very, very fascinating, interesting. And I'm again, this is one of those series that I don't know why it's not more popular. I feel like it should be more popular. It's my take on it. I feel like more people should be talking about it and reading it. And it should be in a similar vein as Dresden, at least in my opinion, reading it so far, like comparing the, these first three books to Dresden's first three books. I don't know why it's not. Maybe I mean, it's not actively coming out, but yeah, I think it's great. I wonder if it's more popular in the UK. Yeah, maybe. 
I really got the impression when I was over there that people really like to read in the UK. And maybe that was just because I was in a big city. There's bookshops, but I don't know. It just seems like people like reading there. I, I don't have an opinion on that, but yeah, that would be cool. I, I went into, uh, what's it called? Blackwell's, I think is like the Barnes and Noble of the UK. It's, I think it's Blackwell or something like that. And uh, most of the fantasy books there is a, little, is a little different selection. There wasn't nearly as much Sanderson. There was, there were a few more like UK based, like the, I think it's a uh, Ben Aronovich. It's like a rivers of London series was pretty popular, which, you know, obviously makes sense, but I could, I could see an Alex Varis type series. I don't, I should have looked for them. I wonder if they're, yeah. I wonder if they're more popular over there anyway. Um, yeah. Let us know if you're, if you have answers to any of the compelling questions, the, the very compelling and very the worthwhile compelling. questions that we bring up, t- uh, we, let, us, we, let us know in the comments. We should just consider ourselves journalists now, Stephen. We're just citizen journalists, just pressing yeah. forward. We need to start a sub stack for our, for our important, you know, questions that we're trying to answer. Well, here. isn't, isn't everyone on YouTube a citizen journalist and everything they say is very important. Yeah, we're just exactly. another, yeah, we're just joining brave, those ranks. Brave truth, truth tellers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. If you want to chat with us, brave truth tellers more, you can do that on discord. Links will be in the episode description. And uh, I guess if you want to support us, uh, you can do that on Patreon. Let us know in the comments uh, what you think. But uh, thanks, everyone. See you later. Nice.